thank you that Jesus bore the wrath. And we do know the grace today. We pray you would cause us to live with joy and praise. We would trust you wholly and fully as we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Kids, we'd like to dismiss you at this time. And those remain to come and get their notes. As I begin here this morning, I just want to direct you to the bulletin here on the back. The Christmas program is tonight, uh, children's Christmas program. It'll be a time filled, put some smiles on your face, I am sure. Uh, those are always cute and wonderful. Karen Guskey's done a lot of work with that. She said that after the children's notes, children, I want you to meet right here with, with Karen, is that right? With Mrs. Guskey. So kids, where are you going to be right after the children's notes? Colin, can you remind me? After we're done? Okay, right over here. Okay, you remind me of that. Um, also, we uh, do have um, uh, directories on the back table. You can take those. You know what? And uh, if this is wrong, if something's wrong about that, check your names, check your kids' spellings, check your phone numbers. If something's there you don't want it to be, something's not there you want it to be, talk with Tina, and she will change that. Uh, we're just going to try to put new ones out every month or so, just updates so that you always know one's fresh on the back if you want one. Um, so when you find one starting to get out of date, we're just going to aim to have one there. Uh, each month. So you can check that. Also, the Christmas card box is uh, back there. Uh, just drop your Christmas cards in there. Save on postage if you want this Christmas season. Uh, heads up about New Year's Eve party. That promises to be a good time. Get your babysitters soon for that. Well, in, um, in the process of preaching here at Rock Valley Bible Church, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. I think we're about ten messages in. Kind of a guess. We've been several months at it, and um, we're right on the precipice, beginning in chapter 3, verse 7, with another warning section. There are five warning sections in the book of Hebrews, and uh, the next one is coming with my next verse. But with Christmas coming next Sunday, I feel like I want to preach a, a Christmas message. I didn't want to start um, that warning section this, um, this week just knowing that we're going to break that up. Because I really want that whole thing to go together. It really, from chapter 3, verse 6, through chapter 4, verse 13, it's really one thought, 
one idea, and we just need to stay in tune with that. So this morning we're going to deviate a little bit. Um, I want to give you a, a topical message this morning on Christmas. Normally, you all know, we, just, we work through the Bible, just because we've been going through Hebrews. Today, we're, we're going to throw that out a little bit. It's going to be much more topical. Of course, we will be at some texts. Um, I trust you'll be encouraged and, and heartened by it. And in the spirit of Hebrews, my message this morning is entitled, Jesus is Better Than Christmas Traditions. Right? Because the theme of the book of Hebrews is what? I, I forgot again. I just keep forgetting. What is the book of, theme of the book of Hebrews? What is it? Okay, let's say it together. Jesus is better, so press on. And so we're looking at today is Jesus is better than Christmas traditions. Christmas is filled with many, many, many traditions. You say yes? <laughs> what are some? How about, how about we name some Christmas traditions? Yes, Nathan? Presents. presents. Yeah. Children think about presents like, vroom, the big thing. Yes, Colin, or Jared, what? Christmas trees, good. Oh, took yours, Andrew. Huh? Others, adults can do this too. Lights, Christmas lights. Yes, Colin. Snow, exactly. That is a great Christmas tradition. Yes, Mrs. Gusky. Caroling. Baking cookies. David, sledding. Stockings, decorations. Santa. Others. Nativity scene. Can you think of others? Eggnog. Or as my father-in-law says, eggnog. Good. Other Christmas traditions. Thousands of decorations. Mistletoes. Candy canes. Rudolph. That's right. Who? Elf? Elves. That's right. The Grinch, Ebenezer Scrooge, snow warning. What do you say? <laughs> expanding the belt size. Diets before expanding the belt size, right, Andy? <laughs> He's all for that. Others? I just have a few more on my list, but you're doing really well. What? Yule log. I don't know what that is. Fruitcake, there we go. <laughs> Parties, sleigh ride, jingling bells, right? They're all there. What, SR? Christmas programs, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Boy, there's one big one we haven't got yet. Igloos, right? What? Jesus, there's a great tradition. Look at We've kind of lost it all. All right? It's all about Jesus. And we know that, and uh, you'll, you'll be forgiven. But you've got, you got to remember that any time a question is asked in church, Jesus is always a good answer. Right? <laughs> like, like a story uh, I remember being told about the, the Sunday school teacher, children's church teachers, take note, is um, the children's church teacher was you know, describing just about um, like a... Uh, an animal, and he said, well, what, what is four legs and is furry and, and hides in trees and uh, has a long tail and takes nuts and stores it away? And, and, what, and the kids in the Sunday school class were all confused. And nobody answered their, their, raised their hand. And, and then someone maybe says, uh, it sounds an awful like a, like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> 
Um, but that is what I want to do, because Jesus is better than all things. He's better than Christmas traditions. We've seen in the book of Hebrews that He's better than the prophets, He's better than the angels, He's better than Moses. And we'll soon see He's better than Aaron the high priest. He has a better covenant, He has a better sacrifice, He has a better tabernacle. This morning He's better than Christmas traditions. Now of all these Christmas traditions, there are some that are very good and very Christ-exalting. Think about the carols that we sing. We sang today, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Just thinking about the hope of the Messiah coming pleading and praying and singing the Messiah would come. There's another one we sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Joy at the Messiah's coming. Isaac Watts even wrote that, Psalm 72, about the second coming of Christ, but we apply it to the first coming of Christ. There's joy at the coming of the Messiah. Or, O come, all ye faithful, O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. Christ is the Lord. just speaks about when we're in His presence, worshiping Jesus. Other things, nativity scenes are helpful. Help us to really think about the reality of Jesus being born in a stable. Though there's some things about the nativity scene that aren't quite historically accurate, still it helps us. And I think they're helpful. Family gatherings is a great opportunity. Great joy renewing family relationships. Just keeping the bond of family there. Presents can be helpful. They are expressions of kindness that we have one towards another. They are uh, a representation of the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. So many Christmas traditions are good. But there's some of them, quite frankly, are just plain silly. Like, imagine Santa at this North Pole with all these elves, and there's this blizzard right one night, and... Uh, Christmas is in trouble of not being happen, of not happening. And yeah, there's this reindeer with this brrr nose on him, right? And, and he then had faced the scorn of all the other reindeers. But now, he shines through and breaks through the blizzard and re, you know, restores Christmas and everybody's happy and this, the reindeer goes down. That's just silly, I think is what I would say. It's just, it's just silly. Others are, are just plain silly, like... Um, Today is December 13th. you have any idea what today is? December 13th. It's two things. What is it? 12 days of Christmas. 12 days of Christmas, okay. I didn't know that, but it, it is. Okay, I'm just doing my mouth. I didn't realize that. All right, it's two other things. So it's three things. December 13th. You need to remember some of these. Nick, do you know what it is? Sunday. It's Sunday, yeah. Third Sunday of Advent. All these are true. SR, do you know what today is? What's today? It's his birthday today. December 13th is SR's birthday today. Okay? We won't take the time to sing happy birthday to him, but you can wish him happy birthday again. But December 13th is also St. Lucia Day. You ever heard of this? Yes? You've heard of this? Uh, Lucia? Lucia? Jennifer, how would you say that? Lucia? Um... I always associate with this Christmas, though it's because it always falls on December 13th. Though actually, it's not even a Christmas thing. Um, it just looks like a, a Christmas thing. The, it celebrates the life of a young Christian girl, Lucia, who was martyred in 304 A.D. And uh, the, the story tradition goes that she would take her um, her food to these to these Christians who are hiding and worshiping in the catacombs. And um, but according to tradition, in order to free both hands up to bring lots of supplies. 
she would, uh, she would go dressed like this. Okay? I put on the overhead, I think. So, so there, there we go. There we go. Because the idea is that she's walking in the dark and she needs both hands filled. And so, does that look silly to you? <laughs> I mean, think about the reality. I've got a young girl. And, and churches, uh, churches are doing this this morning. Okay, they have a young girl, um, whatever, 11, 12, 13, in a white robe, in a red sash, walking into church with fire on her head. Um, have you ever, any of you ever seen this before? Yes, some of you have. I know I grew up in a church that did this uh, often. Mike, did your church do this every every year? Okay, I, I think it's I think no offense, no offense if you you know I, I think what greater thing there is than to celebrate a little child who was martyred because she was faithful to the saints and faithful. What a great what a great thing! But it always comes on Christmas time, and there's the wreath there around her head. Um, uh, to me, I think it's just kind of silly. But it always comes, always comes here. But that's right. What about Christmas carols? There's some Christmas carols that are straight out pointless. All right, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Let's finish with me. Used to ride in sleigh. How many of you ever ridden in a one-horse open sleigh? Yeah, you have. Huh? You, you two guys, of course, horse people. That's right. And did you sing jingle bells when you did? No, not really. Was it fun? Yeah. It's cold. <laughs> it's, cold. it's fun. Uh, you can do that, and, and the, you know what? This is kind of kind of pointless. You're just saying, "Hey, we're having this great time doing that." Um, how about this song? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a fire, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Now, how many of you ever had chestnuts roasting on an open fire? Have you? Okay, I don't, I've never had them, so I'm trying. As I sing that song, I don't have any category, so maybe we can solve that something. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. How many of you really like that? <laughs> Michelle does. David does. Yuletide carols being sung. What's a Yuletide carol? It's a Christmas carol. Folks dressed up like Eskimo. How does an Eskimo really dress? Not a, not exactly sure. But there, but it raises this sentimental feeling in us, and and I even heard that last night. We were at a Christmas concert last night, and um, just kind of think about it. It raises this spirit, but it's really, it's it's really in some sense pointless. Other than there's extreme, right? Frosty the Snowman was a very jolly soul. Corn pop pipe and a button nose, two eyes made out of coal, and there's this fairy tale, and that's that's kind of pointless. Well, this Christmas season, I want to think us think about our Christmas traditions. Uh, I'm not here to squash our traditions, okay? I, I think it's okay to be happy when riding in a one-horse open sleigh, all right? And boy, sing that song to your heart's delight. Wonderful. And uh, this Christmas song, Yuletide Carols Being Sung by a Fire, boy, that, sing that song and enjoy that song. I'm not at all trying to squash that at all. Um, it's fun to have those. I mean, some of those songs, it's like Jingle Bells, you can enjoy that as much as you can enjoy like a theme park. You, know, you can enjoy those kind of things in life. They're not wrong in any ways, but realize that they have nothing to do with Jesus. They really have nothing to do with the reason for this season. If anything, they'll, they'll just take us and distract us from that. But, but using their fun enjoyment, they're like a bowl of popcorn. You can enjoy it. 
It's fun. It tastes good, right? Or you can watch some Looney Tunes, right? And you can watch Roadrunner go back and forth with Wile E. Coyote and, and have some fun and, and enjoy it. And that's where these things are. That's the category of these things. And, and you can do that. But my aim this morning really isn't upon the Christless traditions we have, which are okay. But I want to address this morning those, Christ, those uh, Christmas traditions that have spiritual value in them because there are many of them. And I want us this morning... Not to, not to throw them away in, in any way, but I, I want us to, to really redeem them. I, I want us to think this week and probably next week as well how we can redeem these things. And, and I just say this, how thankful we ought to be that we live in a nation whose default culture is Christianity. It's a wonderful thing. It is a huge blessing. And may we Christians never poo-poo the things being done um, that are Christ-centered. <clears throat> Let's just not take them down. We went to a concert last night. My family did, down in DeKalb. My dad said, hey, is this Christmas concert, Kishwaukee Symphony Orchestra, you want to come? They sing Christmas carols and things like that. And um, we tried to go last year. It was a blizzard. This year, though, we, we went. And uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful time. I have the program here from it. At, at the end... Let's see if I can find it here. At the end, there was this Christmas carol sing-along. And this is like a, a paid thing. A secular thing, there were, what, probably 500 people? I don't know how big the... It's packed. The whole place was full. Um, secular gathering. People paid, I think it's good money to get in this. It's, the concert was good. Um, and we sang these hymns. And most of the people sang. We sang, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature sing. We sang the first Noel. The angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. And then we did sing Deck the Halls. But listen to this next one. It came upon a midnight clear that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious King, the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. <coughs> and then we sang, God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. And hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. <laughs> These are great words, right? Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. And then there's one more song in here, um, but they <coughs> it didn't quite match. They started playing... Silent Night. It, we're, they started playing Highlight Night. We're singing along. It's kind of confusing because this next song here isn't quite right. But, but you know what happened? Didn't matter. We didn't have the words. 
Everyone sang, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is pride. And talking about the virgin and the birth. Everyone in the... 500 secular, non-Christian in general people came and heard these things, sang these things. And then we sang, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, O come, let us adore him, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And then we finished the evening by singing the Alleluia chorus from Handel. So the orchestra play. This was a little bit more interesting because we didn't have music and you know the alleluias, you know, they're coming in. All, we, we, we managed. But alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And what does alleluia mean? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For, why? The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords, King of kings and Lord of lords, and He shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And He shall reign forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords, and He shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, Lord of lords. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. How fortunate we are to live in a place where that's our default culture. Where we have songs like that. Because we could live in Nepal where the default culture is the Hinduism. Where when you go to any kind of public celebration around Christmas time, you get Hindu things and mess. But we are, we are fortunate. And I would just encourage you with these Christmas traditions... To, to redeem them and point them to Christ. So even though yesterday I was in a congregation of many people who probably weren't believing, I mean, right in front of us there was, there was someone kind of off to our right who at this point in the, the thing when we were singing, he kind of was looking through and reading his bulletin, obviously not interested. Uh, there was a man in front of me who was quasi-interested, but, but this one over here wasn't interested. And when the Alleluia Chorus sang and everyone got up, I didn't see this, but Yvonne told me that his wife nudged him and said, Get up! Get up! Get up. It's tradition! So he was like, oh, okay. He came for the music, and there are many like that who came for the music, but there are many who just sang. I think many sang with empty hearts, just words. But at least we can be fortunate they're singing the right words. Perhaps God will use the words they sung last night to convict them. But think about the default tradition, our Christmas things. You go through the mall, and uh, amidst all the shopping frenzy, there are Christmas songs being sung. You can hear them. It's all over our culture, and we ought to be thankful for that. But one of the dangers of that is it can be so saturating our culture that we miss the point of it all. Right? You feel that, feel that tendency to miss it? Well, this morning I want to encourage us to redeem Christmas traditions. Well, open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. There's <clears throat> one verse we're really going to look at today. Not all of it's going to be topical. A lot of it's just going to come from the Scripture here. But Colossians 1 is one of those great passages of Scripture that just lifts high Jesus. In fact, in the whole book, Paul is constantly lifting high Jesus, his work on the his work on the cross. So I heard one man, remember, he summarized the book of Colossians. It's not do do do. It's done done done. It's done in Christ. And look at verse thirteen of chapter one. 
speaks of the glorious things that Christ has done for us. He says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. When Jesus came into the flesh as a child, He did many things for us. It says here in verse 13 that He rescued us from the domain of darkness. The the picture here is that we at one time were under this domain of darkness. We were in danger and Christ came and he, he rescued us, brought us out of that, brought us into the light, because we're in this domain of darkness. So he brought us into light, and the light is the light of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Christ. Second thing he did first, in verse 13, he transferred us into his kingdom. We once were in the kingdom of Satan, born, as it says in Ephesians 2, one, objects of wrath, children of wrath by nature, and He brought us into His kingdom, transferring us. We have exchanged citizenships. Our citizenship is now in heaven. We have dual citizenship on the earth, but our citizenship on the earth is no longer satanic. It's no longer the evil one. It is heavenly. Verse 14, we read of how Jesus redeemed us. And He's forgiven us of our sins. The picture is there that we were due punishment by God. We were due the punishment in hell And yet God has bought us back out of that. We who were on death row were released and freed by His sin, so we no longer face the judgment of God. And I just say, should you spend any time thinking about these realities, you see how kind Jesus has been to us. He's just been kind. We were helpless and hopeless, but Jesus helped us and gave us hope. We were far away and Jesus brought us near to Him. Jesus broke down all dividing walls between us and God and has restored us perfectly to the Father. So it says at the end of verse 12 that we share in the inheritance of the saints in light and we can have perfect fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus then is described in verses 15 through 18. You just scan there with your your eyes. You see how many times it talks about He and, and Him and Him and He and Him and He. It's all about Jesus. He's described in verse 15 as the image of God. He's described in verse 15 as the highest of all creation. That means He's the firstborn. He's the one that gets the honor. He's the one who inherits everything. He is highest among all. He Himself created all things, as it says in verse 16. All things were created for Him. The entire created order is for Jesus Christ. It says in verse 17 that He's the sustainer of all things. He keeps the world going. He is the head of the church, as it says in verse 18. And then, this last phrase I want you to look at comes here in verse 18. It really applies to my message this morning. So that, He's all these things, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Everything. Everything in the world. Jesus is to have first place in everything. Actually, He is first place in everything. And and we dethrone Him. We let other things get in the way of Him being first place in heaven. 
And I tell you, there's something about traditions that can easily pull us away. See, the coming of Jesus in the flesh was a purpose. It wasn't so that we could just have frolic and fun at Christmas time. The coming of the flesh was a purpose. He came to die. He came to die that He might rise. And He rose that He might have first place. He's at first place in the church. He's at first place in our homes. He's at first place in our hearts, in our attitudes, in our time, in our relationship. And that's all my message is this morning. Let's have, let's have Jesus have first place in our Christmas traditions. As I said, traditions can pull us away. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. It's a very interesting verse. This is what Paul was, was battling with there in, uh, in Colossae. These people were we're moving away from the centrality sufficiency of Christ. And he says in verse 18, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according, here it is, to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Paul points out here a danger of men's tradition. Men's tradition can take you captive. Men's tradition can carry you away in deception. You think you have the real thing because you're following the tradition, though in the end it's really an empty shell. You have nothing. And you have nothing whenever you miss the glories of Christ. Do you all feel that? How tradition can just... How many of you have felt like you've done Christmas before but missed Jesus? I know I have. And I just want us to get back and just say, let's make Jesus the end of everything that we do. John MacArthur tells a story of a wealthy Boston family. Maybe you've heard this before. Had a christening party for their new baby. They invited all their friends and their relatives, a magnificent home, to celebrate the birth of their precious infant. And about a half hour into the party, it was time to bring the baby out for everybody to see. The mother made a tragic discovery. The large bed where she had left the baby asleep was piled high with the coats of the guests. The baby was lying dead underneath the mound, suffocated by the carelessly discarded wraps. So focused were they on the celebration of the christening that they missed the entire reason for the celebration. In fact, they smothered and killed the whole reason for the party. And I feel that that can happen very easily with Christmas if we, if we get our minds off of... Okay, so at the end of the day, what's supposed to happen with Christmas traditions is Jesus is to have first place in our Christmas traditions. And traditions can do this. They can pull us away because there are cards and concerts and craft shows to go to. There are parties to attend and programs to watch and presents to buy. There are movies to watch and music to listen to and munchies to eat. There are trees and treats and travel. There are photos and food and frenzy and it goes on and on and on and on. You ever felt the Christmas frenzy? What does it do for us? Christmas frenzy doesn't help us very much in the end, I don't think. Christmas frenzy, I think, is anti-Christmas. It's harmful to us. The message of Christmas is this. When Jesus came, He was the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9.6 When Jesus was born, the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, Peace among men. Then he's pleased. 
That doesn't describe Christmas frenzy. In fact, that is like the opposite of Christmas frenzy. Peace, joy. There's no peace. There's no joy. God is not glorified in Christmas frenzy. I saw an email this week that said this. The time of the, this time of the year is so busy. At times I hate it. I'm ordering most of my presents online. I just can't shop with the kids and drag them everywhere. But there are some things I can't and I dread going out. Do you hear what that person said? I hate this Christmas season because it's just so frenzy. i got so many things to do. And I say, you know what? Don't miss Jesus in the Christmas traditions. If it means dropping some of the frenzy, if it means buying fewer gifts, so be it. Let's find the peace that we have in God. There's nothing new to any of us. I mean, we feel obligated to attend the parties that we're invited to. We, we feel the stress to decorate our homes. We feel the pressure to purchase gifts. We... We're frustrated by not being able to get the right one. We're frazzled by the crowds. Impatience comes there. Unhappiness comes there. We complain. We worry. We're impatient. We express our frustration. We overspend. We place our priorities in the wrong place. And I just say, can this be good? Obviously it's not. It's it's contrary to what God calls us to do. Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that... Here's why we do that. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. We are lights in the world. So let's go and shine our light in the midst of the shopping friendly by having a smile on our face and enjoying ourselves. By letting others have the parking spot. By being gracious to others. By letting the Spirit fill us so that we are are flowing out with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control because the Spirit is in us. We're focusing upon Jesus and we're not frenzied by all the busy activity out there. We're anxious for nothing. We're just walking right towards the Lord. A few weeks ago I mentioned the story of Martha and Mary. It's recorded in Luke chapter 10. You remember the story of their sisters. Jesus had come to their home, was teaching, small gathering of people there. Martha was in the frenzy. She was about doing all the things that that she had to do to take care of all the guests. And she was, as Jesus said, worried and bothered about so many things. But Mary chose the good part, sitting and listening to Jesus. And maybe it's some of us need to choose the good part and just sit and listen to Jesus for a season. You know what? If all the decorations aren't quite right, it's okay. It's going back in the cardboard box anyway. If it never gets out, that's okay. It doesn't need to breathe. It can stay there. It'll be there another year. It's okay. But we need to focus on Jesus. We can focus so much on the activities of Jesus, we neglect the substance. Well, look here again at Colossians 2. I don't believe it's an accident that surrounding chapter 2, verse 8, both before and after, Paul centers around the centrality of Christ. Verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. In other words, look back to the way that you received Christ Jesus the Lord. 
And how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? We receive Him by faith. We receive Him by trusting His work upon the cross. And in that same way, He says, you live your life now. Isn't that the argument of verse 6? As you have received Christ, we received Him by faith and trusting Him, looking at the cross. It says, so walk in Him. So walk trusting Him, looking to the cross, depending upon Him. Walk in that same way. Center your life upon Jesus. Don't be carried away, as verse 8 says, by the philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Don't go the way of the world, right? Go the way that you've learned, exactly what you're learning and trusting in Christ. And then right after this, we see verse 9, which is Christmas. In Him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That is the great realities of Emmanuel. God with us. The fullness of God dwelling in human form. That's what you ought to marvel at this Christmas season. Think about it. Here's this little baby, but it's God coming among us. And we rejoice in that. We have Emmanuel with us. It is the great reality of Jesus. And then in verse 10, comes the great reality then of not just this this baby, this person who's come into the world, this God-man, this God-baby. No, but it, it's, it's come the great reality in our lives is that in Him, in Jesus, by faith and trust, you've been made complete. He's had overrule in all authority. There's no one who's going to accuse you before the throne if you're believing and trusting in Jesus. Because we're absolutely, totally complete in Him. The traditions of men can never make us complete. If you look over in Colossians 2, verse 16, there are some people here who thought that the traditions of men were, were the important things. Look at verse 16. It says, Let no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink in respect to a, a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, what he's saying here, it's not, the, it's not the food you eat or abstain from. It's not the things you drink or how you drink. It's not the, the Christmas parties that make you right. It's not the, the new moon. It's not the monthly celebration. It's not the weekly Sabbath day. That's not going to justify you. That's not going to make you complete in Christ. These are, as he says in verse 17, mere shadows. They're pointing to something. Food points us to the goodness of God, as does drink. Festivals and new moons and Sabbath days, they point us to God. The Sabbath days are rest so we can think about the heavenly rest. The festivals that God had in the Old Testament, I'll talk about them in a little bit, they were all directed to point us to God. They, they weren't to be held like traditions which are empty. And then another, verse 18. <laughs> Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. Boy, if ever a culture comes today to the worship of angels, um, Christmas time is pretty close. Take a stand of visions he's seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Here are just people just boasting about the things that they did, and it's not. The substance belongs to Christ. And so don't submit yourself to these things, as it says in verse 20. If you've died with Christ, if you've looked to Christ for your hope, to the elementary principles of the world. Why, as if you're living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle and do not taste and do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. And there's so much about Christmas that can be just like these ascetic tendencies or these religious things. 
Is it's just traditions of men? And, and what he's arguing, Paul does at the end of Colossians 2, is that all these things don't help you. But it's in Christ Jesus, verse 10, that you are made complete. Think about that reality. We are complete in Jesus. It means basically there's nothing else we need. There's nothing else more that we need to do. In Jesus, we are complete. We have been forgiven of all our sins. He sanctified us, made us pure, made us holy. Will bring us as children of God. Names are in His book of life. Entered into heaven. Joy because of faith in Christ. We are complete. Now, there is progressive sanctification as we learn to love Him, but what we're learning to do in our practice is becoming where we are in our position more and more as we, as we live and learn to love Him. And, and the, re- the way you get there isn't by saying, oh, I have to do these things to get there. No, it's I'm there, but I'm not acting like it. Oh, God, help me to act like I'm, like I'm there so I can fully experience what it means to be complete in Christ. That's what sanctification is all about. There's nothing more that needs to be done for our soul. But the traditions tend to pull us away. Chapter 2, verse 8. <laughs> and why would we celebrate any other thing? Why would we carry away by the traditions? Because Jesus is better than our Christmas traditions. Our Christmas traditions don't keep us perfect. It doesn't matter who you celebrate Christmas with. It doesn't matter if you get this great gift or not. It doesn't matter whether you sing this song or not. We're complete in Jesus. Well, here's something very interesting. I'm not sure if you realize this, but we think about Christmas. Think about the Bible commanding us to celebrate Christmas. Nowhere are we commanded to celebrate the birth of Christ. Where's not? Matthew and, and Luke tell us the circumstance behind the birth of Christ, but it nowhere says set aside Christmas as a season for doing this. There are some Old Testament passages anticipate the birth of Christ, and we will worship this Jesus. But nowhere are we commanded that around Christmas time we have to do this. New Testament, there are verses that deal with the realities of incarnation, like chapter 2, verse 9. But overall, there's really not much to, us, to instruct us regarding the celebration of Christmas. In some sense, Christmas is a big tradition. The Puritans, then, seeing that in the Bible, said we shouldn't have anything to do with Christmas then. Because nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to celebrate Christmas. Furthermore, the Puritans, you think about they came out of the Roman Catholic Church and uh, they were fruits of the Reformation, and to them the Catholic Church was bad and evil and wicked. It was. It suppressed so many things from the people, and they saw Christmas as the Christ Mass and wanted to distance themselves every way they could from it. And so they just ignored Sunday mornings. Sunday morning, they'd have still been preaching Hebrews. That's just who they were. And you can respect them for that and say that's okay, and that was their culture of the day. Some today, like Jehovah's Witnesses, forbid the celebration of Christmas. Do you know Why? Because they don't find it in the Bible. And they forbid much other celebrations as well. But they believe the traditions of Christmas particularly have pagan roots, therefore they should be avoided. And I say, you know what, there are probably lots of pagan roots towards the celebration of the Christmas things we do. But you know what, Um, many of us don't, don't even know those pagan roots. And if we redeem Christmas and use it to point it to Jesus, it's not so bad. That's what I'm saying I'm saying there's nothing wrong to have these traditions. We can worship Christmas time. I'm not bah humbug sermon today. I am let's use them appropriately. Think about this. There's nothing wrong with feasts and festivals commemorating something in God. When Israel, when God established Israel, He gave them feasts and festivals to celebrate. There was the Passover. 
the Peshach. There was the day of Pentecost, the Seviot, the Seventy. There was the Feast of the Tabernacles, Hag Hasukot. There was the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur. And God commanded Israel to celebrate these things. And why were these things set up? They were set up, these feasts and festivals, to set up for the worship of, of honoring God. Each of the feasts are given for a purpose. What's the purpose of the Passover? The Peshach. Yes, what's the purpose of the Passover? Someone help Nathan. Remember Moses and the redemption from Israel. That's what the Passover was about. And God said, you celebrate this. Every year. Celebrate it. First month, 14th day, like January 14th, the equivalent of the Jewish calendar. We're going to celebrate the Passover. We're going to remember what Moses did. How about, how about with the day of Pentecost? What was that? Celebrating. Anybody know? The what? Uh, well, that's the church, but we're talking about Israel. Before that. You're talking about Acts chapter 2. That's good. What about Pentecost? That was a Jewish holiday, and the Spirit came at Pentecost. Remember? Pentecost was a lot like our Thanksgiving. It was the Feast of the Harvest. We're celebrating all the harvest and the goodness of God and coming in. It's a divine um, feast celebrated. Feast of Tabernacles. Remember what that was for? for? And what, Jeffrey, you look like you're nodding your head. You remember Feast of Tabernacles, you remember? Yeah, little tents. They build like little tents in their home and said, yeah, Israel, we lived in these tents for 40 years. We wandered in the wilderness. Always going back, remembering. And it's these festivals and feasts and traditions they had would always focus them upon something. How about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement? What was that one for? The forgiveness of sins, right, Adriana? Just, just to remind Israel that they need atonement for their sins. God demanded an animal to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And so they come every year, seventh month, tenth day, to come and have the high priest enter the holy place, right, with blood that is not his own, as Hebrews says, as we'll learn about more in, in next upcoming months. He would come and he'd offer the blood first for himself, for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. And the people would see that and realize that God is a holy God and we need to have forgiveness for our sins. So we need to find that. And that is Yom Kippur. And these are things that God set up. He said, celebrate the Passover. It was a divine command. Even the Passover, I think it even says an eternal ordinance. They have Pentecost. Rejoice in my goodness to you. The Feast of Booze. Realize that you wandered for years because of your sins. The Day of Atonement. Remember, you need to sacrifice for me. And I think Christmas can function in this way as well. Christmas is a time to focus on the reality of our faith. The fundamental issue of Christianity is that God has come and visited us. There's no other religion that has that. I mean, Hinduism might say that we are gods, and so God has risen up from us, and there are certain ones who are gods. But none of the religions have God coming to us. And that's what Christianity is. We believe the birth of Jesus was a miraculous birth. The only way God could become a man without inheriting Adam's sin was for a virgin birth to come. And that's how it took place. Right in Bethlehem, right according to the promise of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Right on schedule, right according to the plan of a virgin born in Bethlehem, 
Boom, right there. According to Daniel's prophecy, according to the right time when he would come. Scripture teaches of the coming of Christ to save us. And that's the point of Christmas. He's come to save us. It forces us to think about Jesus, the God-man, who has redeemed us from our sins. And, and there's so many things about Christmas that point us to Jesus. The songs I read for you that we sang at this concert last night point us to that. Our gifts point us to Jesus. Lights and candles show us that Jesus is the light of the world. Nativity scenes point us to Jesus. The stars on our Christmas t- trees can even remind us of, of the stars, the the Magi followed to come to Bethlehem. Angels remind us of the angels who initially announced the good news to the shepherds in the field. And I would say there's, there's just so much good. And those who object to the celebration of Christmas and celebrating this by saying that it wasn't in Scripture kind of miss the point in some sense. Just because it's not commanded to us in Scripture doesn't mean that we need to forsake it. Think about this. Do you realize that there were other feasts that the nation of Israel celebrated that were nowhere contained in Scripture that they had to do that? There were some. Like uh, the Feast of Purim, which uh, the Feast of Esther commemorates God's sovereignty in preserving His people. That was nowhere commanded to be done that you have to have this Purim festival. It speaks about that they did. They read, they read the Esther at that time. But they had a whole celebration around that. There was Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, they were never commanded to have to celebrate the New Year, but they had a New Year celebration. There's also Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, which they weren't commanded to celebrate, but they celebrated that as well. In fact, Jesus even Himself celebrated Hanukkah, which, which is a festival of lights which uh, rejoices at the military victories of Israel led by Judas Maccabeus. And Jesus then used that as an opportunity to say, hey, here are these festivals of lights. This is wonderful, but you know who the real light is? It's me. So Jesus even celebrated these traditions which weren't even necessarily scriptural and He pointed them to Himself. And I think that we can use Christmas in that same way. And I just say, let's redeem it by using it to point to Christ. This morning my message, I just want to remind you of the dangers. Well, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. Here's, here's another danger. Or here is the danger. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah 1, we're going to begin at verse 10. This Isaiah could equally speak with America. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Those aren't compliments, by the way talking about how they are sinful people. And think about this, verse 11. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offering of rams and the fat of cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. you gotta, you got to just pause there. Didn't God command sacrifices? And didn't he say you need to sacrifice cattle and burnt offerings and rams and lambs? Didn't he say that? And yet God said, I have no pleasure in them. Yes, I I have no pleasure in them. Even though you're multiplying them to me, I have no pleasure in them. Verse 12, when you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? 
So, so God is, is basically saying to the Israelites here, you're coming to appear before me. You're in my tabernacle. And, and he's saying, you're just trampling my courts. You're just messing up my house. He's not saying, hey, you're invited guests coming to worship me. He's, he's viewing them with contempt. He's viewing them in a bad way. And then he says in verse 13, bring your worthless offering no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath. In the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. You've got to realize what's happening here. He says, don't bring me any offerings any longer. He calls them worthless. Incense is an abomination to me. But didn't He command that incense to be offered? Yes, He did. But He said it's an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, didn't He command the Sabbath and the new moon festivals? Wasn't that something that God ordained? He says, I cannot endure, and here's the key, iniquity in the solemn assembly. So here were rulers of Sodom, rulers of Gomorrah, coming in sin to appear before the Lord. He says, I can't, I can't, I can't endure that. Even though I commanded, and even though outwardly you're doing the right thing, you've got hearts of wickedness, and I cannot endure. So just, just stop. Don't dirty my house any longer. Stay at home. That's what he's saying. And then he goes further. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. He says, I hate it. I hate those things. The very things that he commanded, he hated them. And why did he hate them? It's because they commanded us an offering for sin needs to take place for your sin, assuming repentance taking place. There's no repentance. They're just going through the external motions. They become a burden to me. God says, I'm weary of bearing them. So, verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Here Israel was, celebrating the feast that God had commanded, and yet God was not pleased. Here's the principle that shows us, is that God isn't so concerned about which holidays we celebrate and how we celebrate them as nearly as much as He is, is interested in our hearts, worshiping and loving Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole minds, sanctified through the blood of Christ. That's where God is pleasure in. These traditions can be redeemed. Now certainly if there's something in our celebrations contrary to the truth, God would be very concerned. But if there are things that you take and, and do as appropriate unto the Lord with a right heart, I think God is pleased... And the call here is verse 6, 16. How it is that we come in our feasts. Wash yourselves. Make yourself clean. Remove the evil from your deeds and from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Right? Basically, walk in a righteous way. Come before me with clean hands and a pure heart. Do good. Seek the widow. Seek the orphan. Help them. Then here's a great gospel call. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they will be like wool. Of course, you know that comes in Christ. It's who we need to look to this Christmas season. The conditions here is this. If you consent and obey, you'll eat the best of my land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It says, what direction are you going? Are you going towards the Lord, consenting, believing, affirming Him, obeying Him, or refusing and rebelling? Those have two different outcomes. The one washes white as snow. 
and the other means you'll be devoured by the sword. And I think it all has to do with how Christmas comes and, and these traditions can be redeemed in that way. Well, I have three points in my sermon today, but I never got to them. So this was long introduction, and, and I'll, just, I'll, I'll speak about them next week rather than cramming us there. What's so funny over there? You can ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> well, I trust it's just a call to just think about Christ and your Christmas traditions. The, the saying is quaint, Jesus is the reason for the season, but that is the flow of my message and to realize that, that Jesus is better than anything and let's focus upon Him. I have some real practical things, just even next week for you, which may be too late this Christmas season, but I just trust in God's sovereignty. It will help in the grand scheme of things. So let me pray, and then I will dismiss you. meet with the kids. And then, Colin, where are you going to meet after we pray? Right over there, exactly right, to meet with Mrs. Gusky. And then uh, many of you will see back at, uh, drop the kids off, 2.55, you said, right? So before three, be ready at 3 o'clock. And then um, 4 o'clock will be our... Christmas program, put smiles on your faces, and then we'll have a potluck this evening. Um, Bob and Bobby Clinton are going to be here this Sunday night also. We just got an email from them this morning or last night. Say, hey, can we show up? Um, and so they'll, they'll be around. You can see them, greet them. Many of you are supporting children, they Paul, and you can just see how things are going there. It'll be wonderful. So let me pray for a day for Christmas. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you would use these things and take them, put, put them in our hearts we might realize that um, Christ is all in all. He's everything we have. He's everything that we need. May we see and understand and embrace our completeness in Him. May He, this Christmas season, have first place in everything. Lord, I would plead that You would look down upon us, not as You looked upon Israel, who were doing externally everything You told them to do, but inwardly they were wicked and rebellious would pray for us, Lord, this we are this Christmas season having many traditions which you have not commanded. Lord, I know that they can be sanctified and I pray that you would sanctify them and uh, God cause them to, uh, to be used for your glory. Direct us, O oh Lord, this Christmas season to Jesus. And we realize why. is because Jesus is better. God, show us the glories of Jesus that we might be satisfied in him and find our strength in him would not be carried away by the traditions of men. Lord, I pray even this week as we think tangibly through some of the things we do, that you'd help us. I pray as we think next week just real tangibly some things also of uh, how we can live and walk and how Jesus is better than Christmas. Help us in those things. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. You are just...